This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Thank you to Blue Wire and thank you to uh, Bet Online. That's on Twitter there, at BetOnline underscore AG. Uh, if you're a better, if you're a gambler, you can go ahead and go on their site and for your sign-up, uh, you will get an additional bonus if you put in promo code BLUEWIRE, um, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Put in code BLUEWIRE uh, once, you, um, once you go on to uh, bet online, and, uh, and they'll be able to uh, get you in. It's super easy to use, very, very user-friendly. Um, they will get you a bonus uh, that goes along with your first deposit. So thank you to BLUEWIRE, and shout-out to Bet Online for uh, supporting us. Blue Liar. Young Gunner. Right elevates to three. What's good, y'all? It's your boy, Ant Wright, and your host for uh, Michigan State of Mind. Thank you guys for coming in and listening. Today's going to be day 88, man. You know, 88 straight days of working out and doing something. Um, if you guys haven't paid attention or, like, noticed, um, I'm I'm trying to, you know, start a habit of doing something every day, Um it's making me feel less lazy, less lethargic, and uh, bones don't hurt as much when you get up. When you get up, you have more energy, and that always feels feels awesome. I kind of miss that, miss having that bounce to you. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm doing something every day, no matter what it, what it is. It could be, it could be, it could be literally anything. You know, doing a hundred squats, fifty push-ups. You could be doing calf raises. Uh, upright rows, some dumbbell work, some plates, going for a walk outside, a run, a jog, uh, sit-ups, planks, it, anything, man. Um, try that. Try that. Takes, you know, sometimes it takes like 10 minutes. Um, you always have 10 minutes. Uh, if you have a bunch of kids, you know, act like you got to go to the bathroom or you're showering and just do a little workout inside your bathroom. Do something. But, um... But I've been doing that, and it feels a lot better. It feels great. <sighs> Moving on. So Michigan laid a complete egg tonight against Wisconsin, like a complete egg. Uh, I have to go back and watch the film a lot, but um, the way that Michigan came out was very lethargic. There was there was just there was just no pep. Uh, every time that Michigan really cut the lead down, uh, they you know something happened where that just went away, and. Um, Demetri Trice was unreal tonight. That dude was unreal. He was, he was like 10 for 16. He had an amazing game. He had a great game. Um, fun to watch. 
a lot of fun to watch. Uh, from a basketball fan stamp, standpoint, he really took control of that entire game. Michael Potter also had a nice game. Ford had a nice game. Um, they were on. They were on everything all night. They were on. You know, defensively, they went pack line at the right times. They pressured at the right times. They pretty much allowed Xavier Simpson to just do whatever he wanted to do. Um, they kind of know that Livers, he's Livers is a finisher. He's not a creator. He's not a guy who's going to beat you off the bounce and do stuff. Um, they kind of just let Livers kind of just, they said, chase him off the three-point line and see what he does. And uh, it worked well in their favor. Uh, offensively, they went through their main guys. They had they had great concepts. They had some like run at screens. They had some really nice variations that got them some wide open looks, and they really took advantage of Michigan communicating. And uh, I'll look a lot more into it once I go back and rewatch the game. But um, but yeah, man, that loss just to be nine and seven in your. You're in a position. You're pro- you're not going to win the league, but you're in a position to be top four in the league, and you totally lay an egg like that. Like that was a. Everyone's focus was off. Everyone, everyone. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that type of effort in months, and months. On the flip side, you know, Michigan State comes out and probably. This is probably their biggest game of the big of you know since the first Michigan game. I think this is their this is their biggest game where they came out and they showed out. Uh, Luca Garza still had twenty and nine, but he did that on like twenty one shots. He was in a he was pretty much locked up the entire game. Uh, Tillman had him had him going, and um, it was the first you know they came into that game eighteen and zero. When leading at the half, 0-9 when down at the half. They were down at the half, and they were just able to come back uh, and win that game. Uh, big win for them. Once again, Izzo was playing Foster Lawyer. The three minutes he was out there, he, you know, Iowa just had a field day. Um, but, yeah, really nice game for them. Uh, it keeps them in the hunt. Uh, to at least share the Big Ten title, and you look at the Maryland, the Maryland Minnesota game last night. Oh my goodness, Patino! I don't understand how Patino is going to have a job after this year. He was given seven years, one NCAA tournament game win, one in seven years, and you fired Tubby Smith for that. And I and I went back and looked at the um, looked at the AD quotes. <clears throat> Athletic director said need a f- need a fresh set of eyes on the program. Okay, okay, okay. Mediocre recruiting, trash results. Thirteen and fourteen on the year. This is this is your last this is your last real attempt. I mean, look. Look, this sounds crazy, but Minnesota comes into that game 13-13. Then they play, they're at Wisconsin, that's a rivalry game. Uh, they beat Wisconsin by 18 last last game. I know it's on the road, but still. Um, 
Indiana, they just played them a couple weeks ago, could very well win that game. Then they got Nebraska. So they come in that game 13 and 13. You win that game, right? That's 14 and 13. You win three more. Now you are 17 and 13. 17 and 17 and 13. You end up winning a couple games. You win two, three games in the Big Ten tourney. Now you're looking at 19 and 14. 20 and 14. I mean, I'm not saying that they will be a lock in the tournament, but I'm but they would make things very, very interesting. And they totally, they totally blew it. Totally blew it. Totally blew that game. You had their best players. Like, it's one thing to just miss shots at the line. It's another thing to like be visible, be like visibly shaken up and miss dead short. Like Gabe Kalsher was shook, was shook, and you knew that ball was going in when, when the uh, Maryland dude shot. He shot it from like thirty feet. And there was no part of me that thought that ball was going to miss. None. If you look at the backdrop <laughs> of, like, students, they all had their hands on their head because they, they had the same feeling I did, man. The same exact feeling. Same exact feeling. Um, I'm just going to get right into the mailbag, man. Um, oh, the stream tonight. Was a lot of fun. Was a lot of fun, man. I had Arkansas fans in there chirping. That was that was a lot of fun, man. As long as you guys, you know, you, you know, you're not cursing and, and all that stuff and calling names, man. I am all for banter. That's all good. When you start to being toxic, I mean, come on, don't be a weirdo. All right, we got first pleasure from Mark at Beardenstein. Did Simpson's offensive performance hurt the team due to lack of ball movement or were guys not making themselves uh, available due to individual play or coaching? Um, Wisconsin did a really nice job of making Simpson beat them. They, he, they didn't leave shooters. They had a really nice game plan. They were not going to let shooters beat them today. Uh, and that's how Livers beat you, is when he starts hitting shots, everything just opens up. You give Simpson layups all day, every day, and then you chase Livers off the line. Um, Michigan is not very good when that happens. Um, so I think his offensive performance was almost needed because that's what they were giving to Michigan. They were saying, okay, if, if Michigan's going to beat us, it's going to be Simpson just going off. And Simpson took what the defense gave, and I can't blame him for that tonight because he, he did a really nice job, and um, he scored when, um, when they had to. The issue was that when Livers got the ball, uh, he was put in spots – that he really doesn't succeed in. Uh, he does really well in transition, finishing in transition. He does really well um, finishing with threes or leverage slashing to the cup. But in terms of having a defensive guy in front of him, he's not going to hit you with combo moves and create for himself fluidly. That's just not going to happen. And that's what Wisconsin kind of made him do. And um, 
That was more Wisconsin than Michigan than anything else. Uh, Brody Jack, Brody at Brody Belfus. How does Nunez get minutes uh, without being toxic? Um, well, he had to play today uh, due to Eli Brooks being out. Uh, clearly, Bajma was not ready on the defensive end, and um, you know they just had a roll with Nunez try to uh, try to just sneak some sneak some you know sneak some air sneak some rest for Simpson and the Julius to be able to finish that game. But if if he was going to play, it was going to be in the first half because um, they were going to need those guys for the pretty much the the entire twenty minutes of the uh, second half. Uh, Freddie James at Freddie James 15. Uh, I understand with the loss, there's a lot to be upset with, but the fact Wisconsin probably just played their best game of the year and Michigan still had a shot at the end. Is this a positive to take or am I looking at this wrong? Um, you know, there's really no way to look at it wrong. Um, you could very well look at, look at it from that standpoint, but, um, you know, we're, we're almost in March. Um, Teske and Simpson, these are their last – they're coming up on their last games. Like, they could very possibly – like, this sounds crazy, but they could very well possibly only have – let's see. They could very well possibly only have five more games left in their college basketball careers. That's it. The way that they came out to play this game, they came out to play like they have 100 games left. And we need more leadership out there. Um, the way that they came out should never happen at this juncture. You know, they've won five in a row, great. But, you know, in that five, I mean, who are you beating outside of Michigan State? You know, Northwestern, eh. Indiana, always beat them. Rutgers was a tough win, but still. Um, at Purdue, like, Purdue's not a tournament team. Um, the only guaranteed tournament team that you beat in the last five is Michigan State. So, like, come on. Come on. You just can't have that type of lackluster effort um, this time of year. They came out. They were, like, attention to detail was really poor today. Really, really poor. Um, went through the motions. Wisconsin came out looking for blood. And Michigan just sat back and took it. Uh, you can't get down 10, 12, 14 points and then try to rev it up because you get tired. Then you give up back-to-back threes. So, I mean, that's that's really, that's really good. Not a question, but really good statement, you know. It's not, it's, it is a positive, but for this team, for this team, um, with, you know, veteran leadership, you know, their better players are, are, you know, seniors and are, are, you know, older, you know, to come out like that is, um, is pretty unacceptable. All right. We got some Spartan, uh, Sparty's burner at (laughs) Sparty's burner. Is the livers narrative really a thing? Um, I'm guessing you're talking about going to the NBA. Uh, it's loud on Michigan Twitter. I have no clue where that came from. 
but he has a lot to work on. And I am literally the last person to be like, this person needs to come back. This is the first time I've ever, I've ever said that really, um, where I've been adamant, like, look, he should go through the process and then he should return because the feedback is going to be great for him because he needs to create off the bounce. He needs to. He needs to be able to create off the create off the bounce. I love when people say, "Well, if you know, if Pool and Iggy can go, so can Pool and Iggy can create their own shot off the bounce." Like someone could be in front of them, and Pool and Iggy would both find ways to work their way around it and still get buckets and stay effective or create for others. Uh, Livers just doesn't have that yet. So is the narrative really a thing? Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of, a thing. Um, not sure why, though. Steve Retzema at S Retzema 11. Hi, long-time listener. First time calling tonight. <laughs> um, what the F happened after we got it to one? Our breakdowns mentally. Like, I- I'm going to go back and watch the second half. Um, but our breakdowns mentally so bad tonight and they came at the wrong times like repeatedly over and over and over i'm gonna clip it all for you guys and like show it to you uh but it was really really poor tonight very very poor attention to detail was was, oh my gosh so bad so so bad um but still three games left for the regular season gotta finish out strong um there's still a chance to finish all 12 and 8. Going 12 and 8 in this conference um, in Juwan's first year with, you know, what he had coming in um, 12 and 8. I said, hey, if he gets to 10 and 10 or better, I call that a win. I call that a win 100%. And uh, he should get there. He should get there. I mean, you play... You play Nebraska next Thursday, you know, should be able to get there. But, you know, are you going to go and beat Ohio State? Are you going to go and beat Maryland on the road? Those are the two big ones left. Um, but, yeah, it's um, attention to detail, which really, really poor, man. Uh, Lucas, at Legendary LB 66 what would cause a recruit to voluntarily move to Arkansas? I mean, you've seen their success. They get to play right away. Uh, Elliot, at Benson underscore Elliot, where's the best fit for JB if he does decide to return to college? Ooh, man, that is a good question. I don't have a school for you, um, but, I mean, he would excel. I don't think he would want to go to the ACC. Um... I don't think he would, he would want to do Pac-12 either. Um, I don't know about Big 12. Maybe Big 12, because uh, I know you know uh, Kansas is there. Kansas is the you know the big man on campus. Um, I don't see him doing Big 10. Maybe Big East. I can see Big East. I can see Big East. Um, and I don't think SEC. I don't think that's his. That's his uh, thing. But, <coughs> but for anything, I think we're 
I think if he does choose to to uh, go back, I think it's going to be for Pat um, to get him back on track. I'm not not completely like I've heard rumors, but you know, um, if he's able to get him back into into a coaching, I think he'll do whatever it, it takes to kind of get that done. All right, question from Nathan Clevenger at oh, what was that at Clevenger underscore Nate. Uh, where has Jeff Jackson been? Seems like we could have really used his three-point shooting tonight. They, I mean, he was one for one. They didn't let him shoot any, shoot any threes. One. Two, nobody was able to penetrate to allow Jeff to get open. Because, uh, really, Jeff was the only one that was able to get open. Wisconsin had a really good scheme tonight, man, and I hope it makes everybody better from it. Uh, Connor Powell at Powell LC88, I believe. Um, oh, Powell C88, sorry. Uh, how far do you expect Michigan and Wisconsin to go? My rule on this, I don't say anything about how far anyone goes until you see a bracket. Uh, doesn't make sense for people to speculate until you can see the bracket in front of you. To see who you know who drew who, and because certain matchups are you know, better for some and worse for others. Uh, thoughts on DDJ's defense leading right and how Brooks would have fared against Trace. Brooks would have fared better. Um, David has a bad habit of spinning behind the screen, and uh, and Trice took full full advantage. Uh, Brooks would have done a good job, and um, but good for David to you know get that. Experience because I don't think he would make those same mistakes again. Um, he kind of got ate up tonight. Sean Snow at Snizzo 5000. Why come out with the big lineup? I'm not sure. Um, towards the end of the first half, I was pretty much talking with the people on Mixer. I was saying how, you know, remember the first game against Illinois when we kept playing Castleton against Kofi? Custard wasn't even in the rotation at this time, but Kofi and Custard, those are two big bodies. Custard can at least throw his weight around and make things uncomfortable for Kofi, uh, unlike Castleton. A night like tonight, I was pretty much saying, you know, you would almost go smaller because Wisconsin's bigs aren't really bigs. Like, those guys are really stretch fours. Um, and they just made life hell for Teske and Custard all night. Um, then they went to a smaller lineup later on in the game, which got them back in it, but it was just way too late and, uh, we couldn't capitalize in Wisconsin hit some really big shots. Tom, uh, at Tom A. Woods underscore, what do you think minutes at the one look like next season? It's going to be crowded. It's going to be crowded, crowded. I think, uh, you know, hopefully he commits, but I think he does. If Josh Christopher comes in, I think he'll have minutes there. Um, David's going to have minute minutes there. Don't count out Brandon Wade. Uh, don't count out Zeb Jackson. Uh, there's going to be a lot of competition. Uh, even Brooks, there's going to be a lot of competition and it's going to be, it's going to be a, it's going to be a treat. It's going to be a treat. Uh, Grant Barker at Grant Barker one. Can you see Howard entertaining more small ball lineups? Get Johnson DDJ more minutes. Johns played great when Livers was out. Would love to see him get more minutes. I love Johns and I love what Johns brings. Um, 
would like to see more small ball lineups if it calls for it. So Wisconsin was a great time to you know see how a small lineup does. Uh, Illinois, when Bishvanis, Vili, and Kofi are in the game, it's not time for a small lineup. Um, if you're going up against Michigan State and it's Julius Marble and Tillman, that's not time for a small lineup. So, you know, there's lineups that call for it. There's, there's also lineups that don't call for it. Um, tonight, it called for a lot of small ball, but we just didn't see that, unfortunately. But you hit the nail right on the head um, with wanting to, to uh, see a bit more of that. Uh, Jeff, at Jaguar Pascal, would would Wagner be better served to worry a little less about the officiating? Seems to look for a call every trip down the floor. I mean, you know, he's, you know, people forget how young he is. Like, he could be a senior in high school this year. He, he doesn't turn 19 until, until August. So, he is a bit younger. And he'll he'll mature a bit more, um, but he's really passionate about the game. He loves playing, um, and he plays it very very hard. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. It sounds super cliche, but you know he does. Uh, he's super passionate, so I'm not really worried about that too much. Um, but I, you know, things I would worry about with a young player, I don't with him. Um, like, even when his shot is off, his defense is still great. Um, if something happens on the floor, he doesn't tie to – he doesn't worry about it too much. So, I'm not I'm not too concerned about that at all. Manny Fajardo, at Manny underscore Fajardo 36. How do you see Michigan scholarship situation shaking out next year, assuming Josh Christopher commits? You know, some guys are going to have to, you know, leave. That's just – I mean, I'm not going to mention names, but, you know, just know that some guys are going to be asked to leave and uh, and they'll be at different institutions next year. All right, yo, I am back. Appreciate all the questions, all the fun stuff. With me today, I have uh, Kevin Brunsma. So he's done work with the Orlando Magic. Uh, he has 10 years of you know, being on a on a Division One staff in a plethora of responsibilities, um, and uh, and now he, you know, being a D one guy, life work balance isn't really there. So now he has a he has a family. He's settled down now. He is in Florida, and uh, he's still coaching. So Kev, thank you so much for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad we can make this happen. This is awesome. For sure, man. All right, so let's get right into it. Uh, one question that that you know I've gotten uh, several times, and I just didn't know how to answer it, was the Jawan Howard. He recruits his son. How does that work scholarship wise? Does that count towards the thirteen? Does he not count because he's faculty? know what are different ways they can go about using that yeah so everything that i've been told and i've seen about the situation is that they are planning on using one of their 13 scholarships on him um you know i would imagine that would be the plan of action unless of course they oversign and they're able to get involved 
they can sign Josh Christopher as they're kind of expected to, and maybe add one or two other really talented kids, at which point um, they would have to make a decision. Do they want to keep him on scholarship, potentially running off some other guys to free up the space? Or, you know, you know the Howard family has the means and the resources with his career uh, playing and uh, the, the job he currently holds. Uh, and with him being the head basketball coach, his son would be able to go to school for free. So maybe it's a situation where, hey, you're, we're going to honor your athletic scholarship unless we oversign and say, hey, man, we got an opportunity to add two more four or five star talented players. You know, we're going to have – we're going to – let you be a preferred walk on this first year, and then next year when we lose three or four more guys, either the draft or the graduation, we're only going to sign two or three, and we can use that last scholarship on you. So kind of pay your own way for one, even though they would be going for free anyway with their with his dad being the head basketball coach. Uh, we did that at Youngstown State with a kid um, that we thought was going to be a late bloomer, and we said, hey, if you pay your own way, the first year, the following year, we'll make sure we keep a scholarship open for you because we have more numbers. We only had one open that year. He was coming out of high school, and we we already had a kid committed, but we really wanted the kid because we kind of thought he could be good down the road. Um, and the following year, we had four kids graduate, and we said, we'll, we'll sign three, and we'll keep the fourth spot open for you to give you a scholarship. So you pay your, own, pay your own way for one, and then we'll scholarship you for the remaining three. So from everything I have for Michigan, we'll scholarship them with one of their third unless they end up signing a really, really talented class with kids you just can't pass on. And then right. they probably say, we'll take care of you. And then when the scholarship does become available, we can add you to the scholarship list. So going, so let's kind of stay on this. So if even if they oversign, how does that conversation go yeah. with like, okay, we have 17 kids now that we're signing or 16 kids. So we, we have signed three over. Um, you're pretty much going to come go up to a few kids and say, Hey, I appreciate you being here, but I didn't recruit you. Um, you know, thank you, but yeah, I'll talk to you later. It's a massive, massive thing that happens every year, especially at the mid-major level, because there's a lot of times where you reach and take a kid that might not have been good enough to play there. Um, It's something that sucks to do, but in in all honesty, they're year-to-year scholarships. Um, They're not four-year guarantees. They're year-to-year, and I think almost every single program I've been a part in the 10 years I did it, um, we had these conversations with kids, and you can kind of see it coming. Uh, most head coaches will even make reference to it during the season yeah. uh, when things aren't going well and uh, even to the point where you try to prep kids almost prior to the end of the year to you know help you win games but then knowing at the end of the year we're going to help you move on. Right. Um, so no, more often than not, it's a conversation in the office, hey, here's where we're at. We're bringing these kids in. You're never going to play. I'm playing these kids over you. I have this kid over you right now that's on campus that's a better player than you. It's in your best interest to look elsewhere to transfer. We will use our entire database and our network to help you go exactly where you want to go. Our video guy's already making you a highlight tape. We'll send out your three best games. 
We will add the Couturiers, still work out with the team, use the facilities. You can still lift with the team. We want you to be a part of this until you leave and we find the best possible situation for you. Because the last thing you want is when these kids are leaving is for when you've got all these kids now coming in the spring on official visits or on official visits. Right. And you don't you don't want an unhappy kid that you just ran off telling the telling, you know, a four or five star recruit, hey man, this place sucks. That coach just told me to get out of here and I gotta go find a new place to play. Right. The other the other piece that's big is the academic piece when you get rid of a kid. Um, because you're you lose an APR point if they don't transfer to a four year NCAA accredited school if you have below a two point six GPA. Mm. So with the second you think you're getting rid of a kid, we would assign a coach to that kid and follow him to his classes to make sure his homework was getting done, to make sure he was studying and all those things so we didn't get hit with an APR point. Detroit Mercy just got banned from the Horizon Lake Tournament because they're APR. They can no longer play in the postseason tournament. Oh. In the conference tournament. Because of, because of the APR in the exchange um, from Ray McCallum over to Mike Davis. Oh, and that wasn't man. anything Mike Davis did, but now you're not going to get Antoine Davis playing Motor City Madness because of the APR. So that's a massive, massive <laughs> thing is when you know you're running guys off or you need to get rid of guys, you need to make sure every kid that's leaving your program is leaving with a 2-6 and you want them to go to an NCAA four-year school so that way you don't lose any points. Oh, man. I didn't even think about that piece. Jeez. So Detroit came – so Antoine Davis – after he plays these next couple games, he's done. Yeah, he's done. He, 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 the, Detroit's out of the Horizon League tournament now before it even started. They, uh, and that's an, I'll, I'll advocate for that kid too, by the way. If you're, in the, if you're in the metro Detroit area, go do yourself a favor and pay the five bucks and go to Cali and watch the kid play. I mean, heck, we double teamed him the entire game the times we played him, and he still gave us 25. He's like, nice. I don't, know if he, I don't know if he's a surefire NBA guy, but, I mean, the kid was going to Houston. And we all know Houston from how well they played Michigan in the tournament. Right. And when his dad got the Detroit job, it was a higher level, so he said, I'll go play for my dad. Uh, but, man, that kid's special. He's one of the best offensive players I've ever coached against. He can go. He, he can definitely go. No question. So, but yeah, that's so that's sad because you know a lot of times these these mid major leagues are one bid leagues. So the tournament's everything. You're playing for seeding and you're playing for pride and a record to get into the CIT or NIT. Right. Uh, you know, as a mid, and then all that matters is three games in March. And Detroit's out of it because their APR score was too bad. That's too bad, man. It's too bad. All right, we have a question here from Aaron. Two hearted loan. Uh, you hear about how many voices are in recruits' ears, telling them where to go and whatnot, um, including when it comes to transferring. Everyone from friends, family, coaches, other family, etc. How much truth is there to that? What's the prevalence of that occurring? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you'll have some awesome stuff to add from a player perspective. Sure. But I, from my perspective, uh, so I recruited a kid at Youngstown State named Braun Hartfield. He's currently at San Diego right now. I think they're playing Gonzaga right now, actually, on the SPN or something like that. And he's their best player now. Um, I probably recruited eight people to recruit Braun Hartfield. Uh, it was him, <laughs> his, his mom, his AAU coach. His high school coach, he's, if you want to get any good, anybody good out of Cleveland, Ohio, you need to know his high school coach. It's the only way you can get anyone good out of Cleveland, Ohio. 
you need to know Sonny Johnson. Sonny Johnson. So he played, he played for Sonny Johnson at Garfield Heights after he transferred from Shaker Heights. So I also recruited Shaker's coach because he still had a decent relationship with him. I recruited the assistants at Garfield because I was there with him. And the, the piece that I always stressed and was a huge component on is I wanted all of his friends, the guys that hung with him, to view me as I was recruiting them as well. Because those are the guys he spends the most time of time right. with. So it's all about people of influence. So I might only talk to Braun five minutes at a time on the phone. And then I would text him and send him videos of stuff or anything. But I might talk to his mom that night for 20 minutes. And then the next day I would talk to Sonny, his high school coach, for 15 minutes. And then I'd talk to his AAU coach, Adam, for 20 minutes the next day. And then I might text him. Or, you know, and then, and then the big thing is FaceTime. you got to show up and, and, and the other people, you got to show up to practices, the games and hang out. You know, after the game gets done, you wait around. And so you can see him and talk to him. And, uh, you know, when I would go back and recruit Cleveland after he was signed and after he was already on campus playing for us as a freshman, I would swing by his, his mom's house just to say hello to his, to his mom and his sisters, because I wanted to make sure they knew that it wasn't like, Hey buddy, you're on campus. Now all's good. I don't need to worry about you anymore. Right. Because with the transfer situation, you know, you want to make sure you're keeping these kids a part of the family. And so I'd go hang out with his mom and his sisters while I was in Cleveland recruiting other kids. Um, because, you know, they were the ones that were the most important to him and would have influence on him leaving. Now, when I got out of the business was when he decided to transfer to San Diego. And yeah. so now he's at San Diego and he's their best player in the WCC. So, and honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if he transferred. Um, put, him, put him in a bad spot if anyone hears it, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did back to the Big Ten, like to an Ohio State next year. He's still have one year of eligibility. Now, now what, what position does he play? He's a wing. He's like a 6'6 six, six wing. And honestly, it's one of the things I, I think I saw here, Ant, is when I was looking at your, uh, on Twitter, what questions about, someone asked about, you know, is it more about talent or fit? And uh, I think one of the biggest things that people forget about is a lot of it is gettability. Right. You know, like when you're at a Michigan or a Stanford or a Northwestern, you're, you know, you can only get a certain type of kid sometimes academically. Right. And you got to evaluate your situation of what school you're at and say, okay, what type of kids can I get? But the boss I worked for was 66 years old. He didn't go out much on the road. He didn't recruit much. And we were recruiting to Youngstown, Ohio, which there's not a ton there in terms of, uh, you know, nightlife and those type of things. Um, so I knew I had to recruit kids that were coming off situations that weren't ideal. Uh, whether it was an injury, low test score, poor grades, overlooked because they played on teams with other with other star players. Yeah. Um, so Braun had transferred, he was injured, and he played with four other guys that played Division One. And then Sincere Carey, who's Duquesne's best player, the point guard, um, was going to come to Youngstown State. Um, and he ended up going to Duquesne. He came off two knee injuries and had no Division One offers. He was a 10 freshman of the year, or all-rookie team last year. Hmm. Dave Collins, who has scored over 1,000 points at South Florida, I recruited to Youngstown State. He committed, and then 48 later, hours later, he decommitted uh, and ended up collecting about 20 offers playing at a prep school. Um, but all those kids were overlooked from one way or the re uh, one way or the other. And I knew I couldn't get a kid that had eight offers because my head coach wasn't that active on the recruiting trail, right. which is the opposite of what Michigan has. Um, but, you know, 
know, getability is, is the, one of the biggest things. And then I <laughs> AAU is kind of like a meat market. Everyone's there. Everyone's mm-hmm. watching. It's a great way to see all the guys in one gym at the same time. But I think you really, really learn how kids play and how they navigate when their girl, when their girlfriends in the crowd, the band's playing, and the other coaches have game plan for it in high school games. Right. I'm with you. So, like that get ability thing is really important, man. Um, especially, like, have you heard of a dude named Jay Jay Scrub? That dude is unreal, but Michigan can't get him because he's a because he's a a, a JUCO. Exactly. You know what exactly. I mean? Jay yep. Scrub is unreal, but he but he's gonna choose between the NBA and going to Louisville, all because of Michigan standards. They just they can't get JUCO kids. Right. You know. Yeah, so it's like you, you don't even waste your time and resources into recruiting them because you know it's just gonna it's gonna be wasted time. Exactly, exactly. Uh, let's see, question here from Cornrow Mello. Uh, actually, hold on. Hold on. So from a player's standpoint, friends, family, coaches, and other family and all that stuff, from my standpoint, I mean, you hit more on the head of recruiting the people around the player because they're going to be around them all the time. You know, those are their main influences. And I think that gets overlooked so many times when, like, people say your inner circle or your posse or, uh, you know, who is he rolling with? You know, you need to know who these guys roll with or else you will never, ever get that player. Right. Like, you want, like, I made sure any kid I was recruiting, I got their high school team to team camp. Because I I wanted them with all their whole crew, and I wanted to be able to hang out with their crew on our campus so we could take them on a private tour and show them things and make sure they had a good time, get to know their friends, you know what I mean? And then when you went to the school to recruit them and watch them lift or play open gym, you're dapping up their friends and hanging out with the other kids on the team, even though you're not recruiting them. But if you want to get that guy, you better know his crew. I mean, I'm sure just like you were saying, like that was huge with you. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. All right, Cornrow Mello at Areem K. Abdullah. Um, two players that will be NBA-ready out of high school the, the next four years. Oof. Two players. I'll, I'll be honest, I've watched so much less high school now that I'm a high school coach. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a kid that I saw a long time ago, and I was one of his – I, I spoke to him. His head coach is a friend of mine, uh, Jalen Suggs. He's going to Gonzaga. Okay. Uh, I, I think he is the real, real deal, man. And He uh, might go pro. He, he played for an AU program that I absolutely loved out of Minnesota, and their coach is legit. And this is, this is the type of guy he is, no lie. I talked to him. We built up a friendship and a rapport, and he said, hey, Kev, man, you want me to, you want me to have him come down to you guys at Lee Camp? I go, man, he's not coming here. He goes, Coach, man, you're my guy, man. Why not? He's going to be a freshman or sophomore. He goes, you don't got any high offers yet. And I said, Coach, man, I can't ask you to do that. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I always respected and loved the kid for that because of that reason. Like, he didn't care about the level. It was a Division One school. And he was like, I'll bring him down, man. Hey, man, you've been good to me, man. I'd love to do that, you know. Right. He ended up not coming. I told him not to worry about it because I knew we weren't going to get him. But at the same time, man, I, I kept tabs on the kid and to play, man, he was special. He'd be the only one I would say, just because I haven't seen as many um, 
you know, that are currently in high school. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Wisconsin has these two dudes, man. Um, Wisconsin has these two dudes. They are really freaking good if you've never seen them play. Um, I brought them up like a couple years ago, and uh, I got a bunch of uh, <laughs> got a bunch of Wisconsin people mad at me because uh, you know me, right? Who would get yeah. mad at me? <laughs> but they got mad at me because I said I was like uh, I was like uh, you know wow you know you know Patrick Baldwin Baldwin and and uh, I think it was yeah. Michael Foster. You know these guys are from Wisconsin. And uh, and Wisconsin guaranteed they they don't even get them on campus. Yeah, you know, yeah. and sure enough, so Pat Baldwin. Um, yes, dad's the head coach at Milwaukee. I know him a little bit, not yeah. well, but I know him. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Pat Baldwin is nice. Um, Amani Bates is real nice too. Man. Oh yeah, he's he's it's, surefire, high level man. He's unbelievable. Like he's special, special, yeah. special, yeah. special. Um. I had someone say, hey, man, he reminds me of KD. And I'm like, man, Amani is way better than KD in the 10th grade. I'll tell you that much right now. I'll tell you that much right now. Um, K- KD was about 6'7". Um, wasn't not, 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 not even close as good, man. Yeah. Not even close. Uh, Amani is really special. Really special. My guys, I coached at Grand Rapids Union. I played at Grand Rapids Christian, and uh, they had their uh, the Red Hawk Showcase. Man, they, that place was nuts from like 11 a.m. all the way till the last game when he played in it. And anyone that can do that is is gotta be. I've never seen him play in person, man, but I've seen all the films and the highlight tapes. I mean, he he uh, he does not need to play college basketball. Like, he, no, he doesn't. He should be the exception to the one and done rule. He needs to go to the NBA as soon as possible and make his money. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry. Like, he could he could probably leave. I'm not gonna say this year, but he could probably leave next year and hold his yeah. own in the NBA. No um, he's really really special, man. Um, let's see. No, no. Okay, Stephen Crompton at S Crompton 37 asked, when recruiting, did Coach look more for skill or fit with the yeah. system they run? Yeah, I, I think it's a little of both. I mean, honestly, the thing I really, really focused on was if they knew how to play the game. I wanted, I wanted guys that could think and had great awareness. I remember watching a kid um, at an Availables event in Los Angeles. He was there was two court. Nobody builds five G like Verizon builds five G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with five G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.